0: Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well done, Olivia. Really, really good. We love your youth. They are absolutely incredible. We have an awesome team of five. Olivia's our coordinator, but we have five young adults who are all part of the team who uh, train, grow with, and teach your youth, and it is incredible. I'm lucky enough to be a part of it with Olivia, and it is just so much fun. So uh, thank you all for today. No. No we're not finished. <laughs> no, this is why we give. The reason why we give is because we are a church family, and, and our family is the youth. Our family is the kids' church, and all together, our church is awesome because we are one body. That is a sentence. Now, awesome. I'll invite the ushers to just come through the uh, aisles now, and thank you very much. But yeah, it was really, really awesome uh, to hear Olivia speak about the youth and, and the information that she shared. Um, and now I will also, uh, thankfully, invite our Senior Minister, Caleb Nichols, up to speak today, uh, further going into connecting deeper with Jesus. This series has impacted me uh, a lot because he spoke about being in a hurry, and probably, I think you can probably tell I'm one of those guys who's definitely in a hurry. I'm always moving, always talking, always going, but... Um, to really center ourselves, to slow down, to be countercultural and just let Jesus take over, to, to center ourselves. And I think that's been the part of this series that's really impacted me the most. So without further ado, I'll um, invite the team to play the video. Thank you, guys.
1: I'm Caleb Nichols, the leader of this fantastic church. Our mission is simple connect, grow, Reach. Connect is about people meeting and then continually developing a deep relationship with Jesus. Grow recognizes that spiritual health and development truly occurs when people choose to grow together through active participation in the life of the church. Reach ensures that our mission is Jesus' mission. We're deeply committed to share the gospel with people in our community. 500,000 people live within 15 minutes of this church. We reach this mission field by encouraging our people to be closely involved in the community. They develop authentic friendships and in turn invite people into their homes or life groups or Sunday church that they may connect with Jesus also. Our mission is directly taken from the Bible. Therefore, it's relevant to all people, the church as well as the non-religious or the child. Similarly, our mission is relevant all the time. We all need to continually connect with Jesus Grow together and reach our community with the gospel. And I agree with what I said in that video. <laughs> Good morning, church. Good morning, church. Good morning. All right, it's not COVID anymore. You're not watching on a webcam anymore, right? Got to, it's not me on a webcam and you watching. Good morning, church. Good morning. It's great to see you. As I said in the video there, um, The challenge of Christianity is about the continual growth and growing. So we can have a look at the first slide here. Just this uh, mission logo that we have challenges all of us to connect, grow, reach all the time. So if if you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking about Jesus and following him, this is what it's going to look like. If you're sitting here today and you've been following Jesus for 20, 30 years, this is what it's going to look like. If you've come from another church and you're joining our church today for the first time or or looking at joining our church family, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. It's It's a circular, continual, progressive, ongoing relationship and journey with Jesus Christ. And God will ask you every single day to connect with Jesus, his son, to have a personal relationship with Jesus that gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And God will ask you every single day to grow. To grow up. If, if you read the New Testament, essentially if I summed the New Testament up in two words, it's this, grow up. That's God being a parent there, grow up. That's what he's trying to do, he's trying to grow your character, he's trying to take away all the immature bits so that you can grow up and experience life and life to the full and maturity in Christ. And the third thing there, our blue leaf there, to reach our community, God is going to ask you every day to represent the gospel, represent the kingdom, whether you're modeling that in, in, in action or whether you're sharing that in word. So we're going to jump onto the next slide. The three unchanging marks of spiritual depth, they play out like this when it comes to depth, because this is what our series is about. We'll just jump onto the next slide. Uh, depth, firstly, is depth in that relationship with Jesus, and they come through the practices, the spiritual practices like prayer and Bible study And many others. Depth by living in a discipleship community is the second part, and that's what we're going to talk about and 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 dive into today. So, to be in a church community is to dive deep into relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ, in order to become more like Jesus. So, if you said if you said the first one there, connect to Jesus is is knowing Jesus or or having a friendship with Jesus. The second one is becoming like Jesus, starting to look like him. And then the third one here, reach our community, is what it means to actually do what Jesus did. So it's depth that comes through loving those that are not in the church or those that don't have a relationship with Jesus through sharing the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ. And really hospitality, building authentic relationships around food, around connection, around doing life together with one another. It's interesting because if you look at these three things together, none of them can stand alone so you might be sitting there going, well, I have a great deep prayer life and I study the word and I spend time with Jesus for two hours every morning and I get on my knees and that's fantastic. But, but a lot of that is relatively in vain if that doesn't actually result in an impact in the second part, the grow together. If you're not deeply engaged in a discipleship community of people that are also following Jesus, then our prayer life is mostly in vain. It's got to lead somewhere. And if you really know God and you've met God and you talk to God, you know that he's not talking about you to you very often. When you hear his voice, it's most of the time I find 95% of what God says to me is about other people. Or my relating to other people. Or laying down my life for other people. Or helping other people. Because a real personal relationship with Jesus, number one is really going to outwork in a growing together. Pastor Peter Ingram reminded me this week that character and community, so connect to Jesus and grow together, are essential together. As your character is formed, it's really going to push you to want to hang out with other people who are also having their character formed by Jesus. Now maturity ultimately results in reaching. So Christian maturity, a mature Christian or a grown-up Christian, when we say mature if that's a new word to you, we mean somebody that's grown up spiritually. So put aside childish things of, of faith and they've really grown up in the faith, that ultimately comes to bear the fruit of being able to reach out to others. The Bible says, what good is it if you love somebody that's in the church? What good is it if you can love somebody that you're following Jesus with? What good is that? Don't even the pagans do that. Don't even the guys at footy hang out with each other and love each other. Don't even the people that work together in a workplace and work colleagues love each other and hang out and like each other and journey together. Where Jesus says to us, if you can love an enemy if you can love a person on the fringes of society, if you can love somebody that you wouldn't usually have a good personality connection with, then that really is starting to bear the fruit of a healthy prayer time, a healthy church life begins to come out in that reaching aspect. So that's what it's all about. The next one, we've, we've, I've been quickly touching on Luke chapters 5, 6, 7, 8 and 9 because Luke's 5, 6, 7, 8 and 9 is where Jesus gathers the disciples builds and trains up the disciples together, the 12 of them, as a team, as a small group, if you like. And then in Luke chapter 9, which we'll look at next week, he sends them out. In Luke chapter 7 and 8, which we mentioned last week that he had called them in 5 and 6, but in 7 and 8, he begins to provide opportunities for his 12 disciples to see him in action. And Jesus does a lot of miracles in Luke chapter 7 and 8, maybe have a read through it this week. And these, these miracles that Jesus does are designed to build the disciples' faith, to build them on the inside, to go, wow, miracles happen. Wow, Jesus is really the Son of God. And Jesus begins to build up the disciples and change them from simple fishermen. Remember when they dropped their nets, they left their fishing boats behind, they left their father behind and they followed Jesus. They were uneducated, simple fishermen. These guys couldn't read or write. These guys didn't know the Jewish law. These guys didn't have any experience in the things of the temple. They weren't priests. They were fishermen. And they began to follow Jesus. But then Jesus grows them together in Luke 7 and 8. He builds their faith and they begin to transition from just having the mind of a fisherman to beginning to having the mind of a son of God, a daughter of God. He prepares them. He shapes their character. He preaches to them about what the kingdom looks like. It's a kingdom of rejoicing and loving and not judging others and ultimately bearing spiritual fruit. He stands up in the storm. Do you remember that story? They're all in the boat and then a storm comes up and Jesus stands up in the storm and he calms the waves and he's just by the power of his word, he speaks to the waves, and all of a sudden, the storm is still. So they begin to see that this is the kind of Jesus that they're hanging out with a powerful, powerful Son of God, but also that this is the Jesus that is the model for their life, who they will become, who they can become, what God is forming them into. Today, we're going to look at this second part here in the middle, the green, the grow together. What does it mean to grow together? Why is this important to us as a church? Why is this important to anybody who considers themselves to be a follower of Jesus Christ? You may remember I said it last week very, very quickly. I said the only reason people come to church, really, at the end of it, when you, if, if, if you got all the way down to a person's motive your motive, my motive, the real reason that we're here, the real reason we take our Sunday morning to come to church is because we want to grow spiritually. We want to find God. We want to touch God. We want to know Jesus. We want to develop in our faith. If you're not really interested in developing in your faith or getting to know God anymore, then why would you come? And people don't tend to come who don't really want to find more of God. I know lots of great people who love God and have been in church for a long time, but they don't really do church anymore or community anymore or growing together anymore because they don't really want to grow anymore. They're happy with their life. They're happy with their faith. They're happy with their Christian wife and their Christian kids and their Christian car and their Christian school and their, all their other Christian stuff. But that's cool. So church becomes less relevant. Life group becomes not really relevant. Prayer doesn't really seem to fit anymore because I'm happy with where I'm at. But I trust that you're here today because you want to grow. I've come to church for the whole 39 years of my life because there's been something in me that's always wanted more of God. But growing can't be separated from together. I want you guys to repeat that after me. Ready? One, two, three. Growing can't be separated from together. The two go together. Isn't this the brilliance of God? That God didn't allow us to have a faith, a Christian faith that we could do on our own. We could grow with God, just me and him. He said, no, 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 no. I'm going to make it, not going to make it that easy. You can't just be the pious, spiritual, prayerful, meditative Christian that just rejects everyone else. No, 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 no. Real Christianity and real faith is actually about being together, is being a team, is being a, bo- a body together. This gum tree here, this is a very small new gum tree. How tall is this thing going to grow in the right environment, healthy soil? If it gets a good run at life, how tall will he get? Anyone? 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 Shout it out. 20 meters bigger. 30 meters, 30 meters this spotted gum will grow to. At the moment, it's probably, it's probably less than a meter. Have you ever seen a whole bunch of gum trees in a forest together? I've actually got a photo for you. And they're all tall and they're all straight and they've all grown up to the sky. There's a good image from it for you. Isn't it incredible how straight they are, how tall they are, how strong they are? This little guy here, let's say that this is you and me for a moment. This is you and this is your spiritual walk with God. This is you and you growing in your faith, in your character, in your heart. God's desire is that you end up like that. You end up like that, that you are tall in your faith, that you are strong in your belief with God, that your leaves are healthy and big and green and strong. Do you know what? This gum tree here has the best chance of growing big, strong, and healthy if he's planted side by side with all the other gum trees. Gum trees, like most trees, are designed by God to be in a forest or a bush or a grove. They're not designed to be alone. A gum tree will grow to its full height because the other gum trees around it protect it from the elements protect it from the storm, protect it from the wind. So instead of this little guy having to put all of his effort in, if he's on his own, fighting the wind, fighting the storm, fighting the rain, the protection that being together gives this gum tree will allow it to focus all its energy on growing tall. Secondly, planted together with other gum trees, he will grow extra tall because the tree grows towards the the light, towards the sun. I put this little fella out at the door there when I bought him during the week so that he could get some sun. I came outside and guess what? He was leaning like that. He was actually more like, like that. You know why? Because the sun was in that direction. Trees will lean to the sun They'll grow and they'll grow up towards the sun. Now the reason they get so big is because his brother and his sister standing next to him is also growing up to try and get to the sun. So this tree, the gum trees have to outgrow each other and push each other on towards the sun in order to get as much of it in their canopy and their leaves at the top as possible. Take into consideration the gum tree that you find in your local suburban street with no friends, no gum tree next door, no brother and sister to protect it from the wind or the elements, often a gum tree in a suburban local street will not stand the test of time. It usually ends up something like this. Eventually it comes down, or eventually the big branches split off in a storm, in a flood. Something goes wrong because there's no protection. They don't grow as big and as strong, they don't hit 30 meters, they don't often grow straight. You see gum trees that are isolated and alone, and often they have huge branches that grow out to the side, which are eventually the huge branches that break off, or the huge branches that cause it to tip. And when a gum tree is alone, without the protection to grow straight, without the encouragement to grow up towards the light, the gum tree generally doesn't stand the test of time a local gum tree just out in a suburban area or out in a a farm paddock on its own is likely to come down at some point. Where you walk through a forest of gum trees and it's very unlikely that any of those will come down. You maybe see the odd one, maybe one out of a hundred, you see a fallen gum tree in a forest that hasn't been able to stand up. Spiritual maturity is impossible without community. Now, I know that's a very flat out statement i know we live in a culture we're not allowed to make absolute claims anymore but unfortunately christianity is all about absolute claims this is what the bible says this isn't me coming up with a concept for you spiritual maturity is impossible without community some maturity is possible some growth is possible of course I'm not God. God can help you out on your own to grow. And I've seen lots of people, especially when they first meet Jesus, grow incredibly quick on their own, just them and God. But to be fully mature, to be fully grown up, to reach the heights that God has for you, community is required. Now, this is a difficult, difficult thing for us as modern people because our culture idolizes individualism. And Olivia brilliantly brought that up for us before when she was talking about teenagers and individualism and isolation. Our culture says it's good to be autonomous. It's good to be alone. Our culture promotes, promotes being against togetherness. It's about me. It's about I. It's really interesting this week with the Re, uh, freedom of religion bill that came up in our federal parliament this week and it, and it kind of fell over. Apparently, Scott Morrison, you know, kind of got taken by surprise. So, the newspaper tells us that it didn't really gain any traction. Because what we have is this religious freedom bill that some people want in our nation, but then it's in tension with. These secular freedoms that we're going for in our country of Australia. So we want secular freedoms for those people that want to be without God. So secular means without God. And then we want religious freedoms for those people of faith that want protection in their faith. And that's not only Christians, but it's Jews and it's Muslims and any people of faith that want the right to not have to obey the law of the land sometimes. Maybe it's a Christian school wanting to employ Christian teachers. Maybe it's a Christian business not wanting to obey some of the laws of the land because of faith issues. You know what the big problem is in our nation right now? Not everyone can win. <laughs> Secularism's going to win sometimes. Faith might win sometimes. Maybe the religious freedom bill gets up. Maybe it doesn't at the end of the day. Someone's going to be sad, someone's going to be happy, someone's going to win and somebody's going to lose because this is the tension we face in our culture. You and I are trying to be people of faith, but we live within a society that promotes not faith, it promotes individualism. Secularism worships and idolizes the individual self, the autonomous self. It says things like this, I can be who I want to be and do what I want to do. How does that work when you're trying to be a sports team, trying to win the game, trying to be a soccer team, trying to score a goal if someone says, I want to do what I want to do and be who I want to be and everyone else has to just tolerate that and be happy for me. Individualism says, "Individualism says I'm the center of the universe. I preached a couple of weeks ago that, about Christ the center, about living the divine with the divine center. Centering your schedules, your marriages, your work, your time commitments, everything first around Jesus and your relationship with him. Our culture says, no, 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 go to brunch on Sunday. Don't go to church. Our culture says, no, 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 you're busy. You know, sit down and binge on some Netflix during the week. Don't go and hang out with a Christian friend. Don't go and have a coffee with someone and share the gospel. Look after you, recreate. Take your boat out, go fishing, do whatever you want to do. You deserve to be happy all the time. This is the voice of individualism. And it's at you, it's at me all the time. I feel this at me every day. Look after yourself, Caleb. Recreate for yourself. You need time alone. Self-care. It's okay. I hear this at me all the time. And then I hear God saying a very different thing to me all the time. Olivia mentioned this before as well about the rise of technology and the fact that we have this culture now that's about being alone together. It's this false community that we have, being alone together. And this being alone together is the curse of technology. We're more connected through social media than ever before. I mean, we all know our school friends that we haven't talked to 20 years for, but we all know what's going on in their life. I bumped into an old school friend from 25 years ago that Zoe and I know this week. I didn't even know I had her as a friend on Facebook. And she's like, wow, how are you going? you got four kids. How's your church going? And it's like, it's so weird because they know all this stuff about my life where they actually know nothing about me. We're connected, but we're alone. We know about each other, but we're totally separated. What social media does is it gives us this false sense of depth in relationships where actually it's breeding pure shallowness in our relationships. You will only have three to five really close friends. Choose them carefully. You'll be lucky to have another 10 to 12 close-ish people that you're kind of doing life along with. Outside of that, everyone else will really be an acquaintance. If you want to be a deep person pray about it. Think about who are those three or four on my inner circle? Who are those maybe 10 that I'm doing life with and growing with God with? Choose them carefully because the individualism tells us we can have a hundred friends and they can all like me and they can all like my posts on Facebook and I'm, 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 I'm they're happy for me and I'm happy for them. And we have this false sense of community when we actually have no community at all. Individualism actually does great damage to a local church because church and following Jesus is about growing together not about growing alone God's church here that we're in this morning this is the house of God just take a breath for a moment this is where God comes we just worshipped him for half an hour and said you are the greatest you are God of all of the universe this is a sacred place. Every t- Sunday that I come to bring a sermon, I deeply think about the sermon all week, mainly because I don't want to offend God. I don't want to misrepresent who He is. He is so good and so powerful that who am I to twist His words a little bit? Or who am I to kind of manipulate the Bible a bit for you? I just want to pass it on clean and as it comes straight out of heaven. This is a sacred place. This is not a business, this is not a club. This is not another community organization. This is the sacred people of God that God has loved with all of his heart since the very existence of humankind. When we come into this place and say I preach a sermon or Pastor Andrew preaches a sermon, we tailor this sermon for you and for this city and the people who live in this community. We speak it in a way within a context that it comes to you and the people of this community for what you need and what God is saying to you right now. Individualism says, no, I like my favorite podcaster. No, I love this YouTube preacher from over here in America. Individualism says, no, Pastor Coyle, preach the way that I like it, on the topics I like and the sermons I like. You know what? It's very hard to get up and preach every Sunday when you're competing against the greatest preachers on the face of the earth right now. You can listen to a far better preacher than me every minute of every day. But there is nobody in the world like the leadership in this church that thinks about you when they prepare their sermon, that thinks about our city when they prepare this sermon. Nobody's considering that except the leadership in this church, because they love you, and they want to preach what God's saying to you specifically. That's the house of God, where individualism makes it into a consumeristic Christian product that you come, and you attend, and you consume on a Sunday to get something out of it for you, so that you can go home and do Christianity the way you like it. That's not the Word of God, and that's not what we want to do, is it? I know that that's not what you want, and that's not what I want individualism in the church takes community and eating and drinking together and life group together and praying together and we had a great prayer time again this morning anyone is welcome 9am on a sunday we're in there, 9am 9 to 9.30, we're in there praying in the prayer room on a Sunday. All of these beautiful things, healthy friendships, walking with Jesus together, crying together, laughing together. All these amazing things that you have in Christian community. It's so authentic and so real and so deep and so powerful. And individualism says, no, I'm going to go out for brunch. Individualism says, nah, you know, I'll come every now and again when I can fit it into my calendar. Individuals have said, no, I've got family activities on a Sunday, or I've got family activities, I can't really fit in the churchy stuff. That's what individualism does. It takes the beautiful community of God, and it turns it into another event, another program, another thing that I'll do when I can fit it in. My question for you today is, are you growing in your faith? If this is you I believe that you're here because you want to be 30 meters tall, you want to be straight, you want to be strong, and you want to reach for the light. And I know with all of my heart that this is what God wants for us. Because the bigger you grow and the taller you grow, the less the stuff of our culture and society is going to be able to bring you down. The, le- the winds can buffet against you because it's inevitable, isn't it? The storms of life are going to come, but you'll have a thick trunk, you'll have strong branches you have deep roots this is what it means to be a Christian but as I said earlier it doesn't mean to grow alone it means to grow together at 25 years of age I was about 102 kilos so about seven kilos more than I am now I was a pitcher of health a pitcher of muscle I was was playing high level soccer here in Victoria looking back now is actually not a picture of health. I was just 25. (laughs) Because now I've realized that I wasn't that strong. I was actually just 25. And most people, are 20. if you ran into me now, I'd just fall over like a piece of paper. And it was my 25th birthday. So we were down on Frankston Beach. I I was born in November, November 15. So it was a sunny day. We're down at at Frankston Beach. And um, the Martins were there. Paul had his jet ski. And I took Zoe out. Do you remember this, Paul? I took Zoe out on my jet ski. It was before we were married and she wanted to go hard and fast. And so we're cutting around Frankston Pier on the jet ski doing hard turns left and right. And we took one turn too hard and I went flying off the jet ski. I went like a pebble being thrown across a river. I just skimmed across the surface of the water for about 50 meters. I blacked out for a few seconds because I hit my head and I woke up in a bit of a day, some guys had seen me come off and they came up in their jet ski, on their jet ski and said, are you all right, mate? You're alive? And I was 25. So I just shook it off and got back on the jet ski. <laughs> I never thought about it again. Six months later, I limped into my osteopath. I had all kinds of weird soreness around my groins and my lower back. And he worked on me and he adjusted my pelvis. And he said, do you realize your, your pelvis or, or your bones in there, they look like they've been dislocated or out of whack for quite some time. He said, it looks like you've had a major collision or hit or car accident or something. I couldn't remember. I'm racking my brains. I go home. I'm like, nothing's happened to me. I'm 25. I run through brick walls every day. And then I remembered the jet ski. And from that one little jet ski accident, I'd began to break down. And what had happened is I would began to get um, tendonitis and inflammation all around my pelvis, specifically Osteitis, pubis. you've got a little bit of like rubbery um, uh, little rubbery, kind of meniscus- type thing that sits between your pelvis here. And that had all got inflamed. Within a few months, I couldn't run. I was 26, 27 now. I literally couldn't run. I couldn't do one sit-up. I couldn't lie on the ground and do, uh, do one sit-up. I was completely deteriorated and broken down. Who would have thought one little part of my body here could get inflamed and have chronic issues and take me out? I couldn't play sport. I couldn't run. I couldn't do a sit-up. It resulted in me having surgery, groin surgery on both sides when I was 27 years old, a month after I'd got married. Zoe and I had got married, I had surgery, and then she nursed me back to health. I had bruising all down my legs, yellow and purple from the surgery, and put me back together. It took me another two years to rehabilitate my groins and my glute muscles and my lower back, all kinds of issues. So this ended up being about a three-year period of my life, all from one little part of my body that was not working properly. The Apostle Paul sits down to write his letter to the church in Ephesus. Ephesians, it's called. So He writes his letter, his book, to the church in Ephesus. Ephesus is in modern-day Turkey. I've walked right down the streets of Ephesus. Most of the city is still there. You should go and see it one day. It's phenomenal. The amphitheater from Acts chapter 19 is right there in the city, still in pretty good condition. Paul sits down to write his letter to them. And in chapter 4, he comes to explain what it means to be the people of God. What does it mean to grow together? What does it mean to be a real team and a real community? And he launches in Ephesians chapter 4, and I start at verse 11, into this incredible picture of what the church is. Starts with Christ, doesn't it? it? Starts with connect to Jesus. So Jesus, or Christ, gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the the teachers to equip his people for works of service. There's nothing in there about come and sit in a seat and consume the sermon every Sunday. No, he put people in the church to work, works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith. Everyone say unity in the faith. And in the knowledge of the Son of God, everyone say the knowledge of the Son of God. And become mature. Everyone say, mature. Mature. There's the theme of the New Testament. Grow up. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So it's not growing into something that you think. This is what individualism says. It says, be a Christian, but grow into what you think a Christian should be. Jesus says, be a Christian, or God says, be a Christian, but grow into what Jesus is. Be like Jesus. We already have a template and a model in which to follow. The two keys there that I want you to take home is unity of the faith. So not unity around my preference, not unity around how I like church to go, not unity around my preferred worship style. No, the music, the sermon, the building, the people, all of that is secondary. A lot of it's important for sure, but all of it's secondary towards, uh, 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 in relation to the unity of the faith. That means we unify around our common faith in Jesus Christ. Are you going to like me all the time or ever? Am I going to love you and like you and want to hang out with you every single moment? Is everything that comes out of your mouth going to be music to my ears? Of course not. Do you know everyone in this church and love them with all your heart and hang out with them all the time? Of course not. There's too many people for us here. But what unifies us is a common faith in Jesus. That's what the body is about. That's what the body comes around. The second part that we come around, that we unify around, we become a team around, we grow together around is the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Do you know everything about God? Do I know all there is to know about Jesus? No. The aim of a church is not to have knowledge about All the things of the world and politics and education, all those things, although they're all important, again, they're secondary. What we actually unify around is how do I know Jesus more? How can I help my brother and sister, the fellow gum tree next to me, we're all growing towards the light, towards heaven. How do I help them? How can they help me know Jesus? That's what we unify around as the people of God. The world tells us unify around gender, unify around sports team, unify around political. I couldn't care if you vote, labor or liberal, left or right, if you're like this politician and that politician, it means nothing to having faith in Jesus Christ. Is it important? Yeah. Am I involved in understanding politics? Yeah, for sure. I keep up, I keep up with things. But central to me and my life and the people that I hang out with is unifying around faith. If you can push me as the gum tree next to you to grow taller in order to know Jesus better, then I want to talk to you. Push me, ask me, question me, doubt what I say, help me go further. That's the best thing that you can do for me and that I can do for you. As we grow from this little pot plant to our big tree, I want to make an important point here. Growing is not about being a pot plant one day and being a 30 meter gum tree the next day. Growing is almost invisible. Growing is something you never really see. If we came back tomorrow and this gum tree had grown a little bit, no one would have noticed. No one would have watched it. You can't really watch grass grow. You can't really watch a tree develop. It's like your children. Some days I wake up and look at my four kids and I'm like, gosh, they seem taller today. But I did see them like 10 hours ago. But they just seem bigger. That's spiritual growth. It is a total lie from hell that you should look at the gum tree next to you and say, I should be like them. I should pray like them. I should worship like them. If you feel condemned and guilty, if you ever hear my sermon, then you're not hearing the voice of God because I'm not here to condemn you or to shame you. I'm here to encourage you. This is not what I'm saying. If you're in a life group sitting with people growing together, the only thing that you want to hear is to take the next step, to grow the next level. Spiritual growth is about where you're at And then moving one step forward. It's not about where I'm at or Pastor Phil's at or anyone else is at. It's about where you're at and what is God saying to you? What is the next step in your growth going forward? Interestingly, as the Apostle Paul's saying, this is what the church is about. And being a body together. Don't be a broken body like Caleb at 25 or I couldn't even run. Be a body together. Unity in the faith. Grow together in the knowledge of Christ. And then he cuts, interestingly, He cuts in verse 14. It doesn't even seem to fit a little bit, but it's a great warning for us. It's a great thing for us to remember as we're being the people of God. Then you will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and the craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. The body, being together, growing together, protects you and I from immaturity. This is one of the most powerful things about a local church community. Not only do can we help each other grow, but we protect each other from the storms. When storms come, we're going to either grow beyond the storm or we're going to give in to immaturity. We're going to give in to gossip. We're going to give in to grumbling. People that want to grow tall don't grumble. They watch their words. They don't criticize the people of God. They don't criticize the leadership. They don't criticize God and the Bible. Why? Because they're more focused on growing and less focused on judging. Immaturity judges. Immaturity gives in to cunning. And people, their craftiness. I just want to encourage you, there's, everyone has a vortex out there that's trying to suck you into something. Now, the vortex for you might be different for me, might be different for you. But there's something out there, even good things like earning a good wage or being politically up to speed with things or, or loving our children and giving them everything that we've got. Even good things can be a vortex that sucks you into the craftiness of men the cunning of deceitful scheming, the enemy who's trying to distract you from being part of the team. And what happens when we get sucked into a vortex that takes us away from the unity of faith is we begin to break down and deteriorate. We become vulnerable to the branch that gets fallen off. We become vulnerable to the groins that fell apart for me and the piece of the body that's not working anymore and then everything is not working. Paul finishes in verse 15 saying instead, instead of the immaturity, instead of the arguing and the grumbling, so easy to argue at church, so easy to grumble at church, something that always I'm watching my words, I'm being careful of that temptation because it's so easy for me, it's so easy for you just to say, that's crap, that was average, this person over there. Paul says instead of that stuff, let me give you something better, speaking the truth in love. We will grow. Everyone say, "Grow." We will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of Him who is the head—that is Christ. From Him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, as each part does its work. You might be a little toe. You might be an ear. You might be the—you might be the uh, osteitis pubis right there in the groin, or the meniscus in the knee or something in the shoulder, I don't know, you might be a ligament, you might be a muscle, you might be a kneecap. No matter what you are, whether you're a fancy bit of the body or you're not fancy, bit, whether you're a cool bit of the body or a not so cool bit of the body, whatever your opinion is, whether you sit in the back row or the front row, whether you've been here for 35 years of our church, you've been here for 35 minutes, all of you are needed in the team. All of you have a role to play in God's eyes and all of you are in the heart of God. He wants to grow you and build you up. Do you want me to give you the secret to growing and being built up? It's right there. This is the growth hormone and it's not even illegal. The growth hormone of the body of Christ is truth and love or said even better it's truth in love. You will not grow without a healthy douse of truth, without a healthy diet of truth. Do we love truth? Well, truth's that bit that stings a little. Truth's the bit when you go to the dentist because you've got to sort out the tooth, but you know you're going to have to go through the pain of a needle and, all that, and the drilling and all of those things. Right, Carlos? You know, resident dentist over there, he puts me through mega pain. More than anyone in this church, that man puts me through pain. That's truth. It's good for you, but it hurts. That's why in, in 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 following Jesus in the church, it's not about truth, truth, truth. It's about truth in love, in graciousness. The love of God is like the local anesthetic that you get in the gum before the drilling starts. The pain's still gonna be there. The challenge is still gonna be there. Your mouth is still gonna hurt when you get home, but God in his goodness. Or your pastor in their goodness. Or your, or your friend in the life group in their goodness. Just puts a little local anaesthetic there first. Just, just, to, just to take the edge off the truth. Just to numb, to, just to numb the, what's coming at you. Without truth, you will never grow. But truth in love leads to religion and hurt and pain and separation. While love without truth leads to just laziness and spoiled brats and there's no standards at all. That's why we need truth wrapped in a whole lot of love and grace. This is the growth hormone for the body of Christ. If you're in a life group, pursue truth and love together cuz it's going to grow you. Imagine every week you sit in that life group and you love each other but you speak truth every week. You're going to be like bang, 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 bang. It just takes off. This is what God has for us. As I finish this morning and we might just hold communion for today, as we finish this morning, I want to encourage you. These are four things that we encourage. You're going to hear a lot about this because this is what we encourage. It's life group. Be in a healthy life group because that's going to grow you. The second one is serving. Not because we need people to help on a roster. Don't don't, don't be... Again, don't think through serving and church life and being on a roster through the eyes of individualism that this world sells us, well. I don't have time. Oh, I've got stuff to do. Oh, oh, you asked me to help. No, 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 no. We never ask anyone to help. We give people opportunities to worship God through service. That's how it works in the kingdom of God. You don't ask people to help. Christianity is hands-on in nature. There's nothing about Christianity which is observe entertain, sit back, everything about Christianity is hands on, jump into the mess, get in with people, deal with all the messy stuff that comes with being in a church community. So you're going to hear a lot about this in the future. If you want to be engaged, if you want to be in the life of the church, if you want to be part of the mess that is being the family of God, then be in a life group, serve somewhere, be involved somewhere, learn to love the mess, give finance, Now, this is confronting. Some people, like maybe me, who grew up in the church, giving 10% to God is just something I've done since I was 15. For other people, it's offensive. It's offensive that, that a church or a Christian organization would ask for my money. But again, no one's asking for your money. The Bible just clearly says, put your money where your mouth is. The Bible just clearly says, if you're engaged, you'll put your most precious possessions, your money, Your children, your time, you'll give that to God. You'll give that to the people of God. So yes, that's a bit of truth for you there, number three. That's a bit of truth in love for you. You will put your money where your mouth is. But this isn't about us getting money. This is about you growing. There's nothing as challenging as sorting out your whole entire budget so that you can give a little bit of money to God. That's going to make you grow up that's going to make you have to find God. That's going to deal with all kinds of selfishness, isn't it? All kinds of things and all kinds of theology. And you know, someone's probably told you, don't go to church because I'll ask for your money. And then you're sitting there going, oh my goodness, they're asking for my money. But that's because people who have never been in a church, that's what they think it's about. But giving finance isn't about that at all. It's actually about your heart. It's actually about engaging, participating. And the fourth one If you're engaged in the life of the community, then you invite somebody else. Invite someone to come to church. Invite someone to hang out with your small group. Invite someone to come over to your house. Take someone out for a coffee. Part of being a Christian and growing together is the art of the invitation. Some of us have not invited anyone to anything for so long, we forget how to do it. We're so used to us being invited and us being waited on and us living our life. When's the last time you said, hey, I don't know you very well. Let's have a coffee this week. When's the last time you came to church and said, Hey, I sat next to you today. I don't really know you that well. Come over this week. Let's have a beer together. Growing together is going to require invitations. Being together is going to require stepping out. Say, I'll make some time for you. I can hang out with you. Our family's been doing this Sabbath day on Saturdays the last few months. But if that Sabbath day is threatened by hospitality, that's okay. If that Sabbath day is threatened by, hey, my neighbor's free now, and hey, do you want to come over and have a beer? Then the Sabbath can go. Because people, especially people who don't know God, must be our highest priority, let alone people in our own church, our own brothers and sisters, the gum tree that's right next to you that maybe you don't even know their name properly, but they're protecting you from the wind. They're encouraging you to grow towards the light. This is what it means to be together, to live life in a forest or a grove as the people of God growing strong towards the heavenly, towards the light. Not to be the suburban gum tree that's stuck out there on its own, that's lost all its friends because some residential uh, development had to go through that area and there's only a couple of gum trees left that one day is just going to fall on somebody's house. Let's pray together this morning. Thank you, Lord God. We just bring this to you today, Father God. We thank you that every Sunday there's truth spoken in love. Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. But you didn't come preaching truth that condemns. You came preaching truth, and then you served, and then you died on the cross. You spoke the truth, and we read about that in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But then you died for the truth and for us. And because of your great love, you sacrificed your life. We remember that, Lord God. Lord, it's amazing that any of us can sit in a church service. It's amazing that any of us can go to a life group or volunteer our time on a coffee machine or a kid's ministry. It's amazing to me that people come to church on a Sunday and don't enjoy any worship or word, but serve us by looking after our children out the back. That shouts, God is alive. That shouts, Jesus is true. That shouts, the Holy Spirit is among us. Lord God, give us a greater revelation of team and deal with the sin of I, the sin of me. Forgive us, Lord God, because we are constantly tempted by the individualism of this world it's always at us to put self first to idolize self to care for self to make sure that number one is look after forgive us lord god because the day that we said i'm going to follow jesus we said i'll be second i'll be last i'll be the servant of all but old habits die hard lord god and we sit here in humility this morning old habits die hard We know we're going to be fighting the sinful self until the end of time, until the end of our very lives, Lord God. But it's nothing to be worried about, to be ashamed of, to be scared of because greater is you that is in us than he that is in the world. Greater is you that is working in our character, working in our hearts. You are the one that waters us and grows us. You are the light that shines upon us that we grow towards you, the light, Lord God. It's no man that grows us, no system that grows us there's no religious organization that grows us no it's you Lord God and it's the people of God our brothers and sisters your sons and daughters around us that grow us day by day Father God we just thank you for this Lord God in your mighty name Amen just as we finish this morning as we finish this morning I would love it if anyone wants prayer come out the front here Individualism is rampant in our culture. And every day, this is the water that we swim in. that's difficult to identify. But maybe today, this has just hit you in the heart. And you just want to come out here and say, God, I want to live for you. I want to live for the, the body of Christ. I really want individualism to be crucified on the cross again and again and again. I just encourage you, just come out this morning, myself or a pastor, we'll just pray with you and stand with you just to believe that that would be put to death. Because only I, only I is going to stop me or you from getting to God. God is totally for you, but I gets in the road. It's called sin. If you want to modernize sin, because that maybe is a funny old-fashioned word, just call it selfishness. That's what sin inherently is. It's putting self first. And it's hard, everyone. It's at us every day. It's encouraged every day only by the power of God the power of the Holy Ghost can we deal with self and become more like Christ and I know there's some people that need some prayer around that would like to make a stand sometimes coming out the front isn't about the prayer so much it's more about you saying to God I'm going to do something about this today I'm going to put into action you know what I've heard so just encourage you with that thanks Jack close it off if you want
0: Thank you all, everyone. Uh, That concludes our service today. We we really appreciate you all joining us and being a part of our family and and coming to church. So feel free to stay as long as you'd like. Connect with someone. If you feel like your action point today is to fill out a connect card or talk to someone, I encourage you to do that also. But uh, you are